0: I will be covering is Arrow Academy's The Apartment. Yeah. This bad boy is a pretty deluxe edition here. Uh, it's by Billy Wilder. The only Billy Wilder movie I had seen was Some Like It Hot, which is a classic. Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe. Those two guys kind of do- go disguise as uh, you know women to uh, escape, I think, some criminal activity. It's been years since I have seen that. I actually, watched that in high school film class. But The Apartment, a little bit different. Uh, it stars Jack Lemmon in here, and uh, he's the actor I'm most familiar with, and Jack uh, Krunchin or Crunchin, who actually pops up in Satan's Cheerleaders, uh, How the Mighty Had Fallen, for that one. Because he's great in this, and he's you know kind of a, looks like a list in this movie. But then he pops up as Satan's cheerleaders, and I was scratching my head like he's not even good in that, and he's great in this. But uh, I'm a, kind of deviating from what I'm talking about. The apartment uh, follows this guy uh, Jack Lemmon. He's kind of a. A guy. He works in this office. He works very hard. He's always taken advantage of by his, you know, his pit bosses and his boss eventually. But uh, they use his apartment. He can never go inside of his apartment uh, because these always guys cheating on their wives with it. This is 1960, remind you. This movie, I believe, won Best Picture and beat out uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So you know, it has uh, some weight to it. Uh, so uh, Jack Lemon plays this interesting kind of character. He's uh, approachable, but he's also funny. But uh, you know, you, you you like him, although he's involved with all these kind of seedy things. And this movie has a lot of. CD stuff going on in it, but it's not played CD uh, or sleazy, even though it should be. Um, it, it's played for laughs at times, but it also gets really deep and has these moments of, you know... Uh, uh emotional impact about suicide about uh, being the other person in a relationship when someone's cheating on you there's a lot going on there and there's of course the doctor next door to Jack Lemmon who played by Jack Crushen or Krushin, who, um who is kind of uh, watching him and I and everybody thinks he's this big playboy and he has to juggle this role of you know uh, appearing to be the playboy so he doesn't get anyone else in trouble and uh, while losing kind of his soul and moving up the corporate ladder by doing all these things for people it's an interesting movie and it's uh, it, it's two hours long and great, they set up tons of stuff and on the special features they mention how well this movie set things up uh, there's a great shot of uh, The Office and they, they talk about using smaller people I, I think believe it was children in suits towards the back to make it look uh, the depth and whatnot. and uh, Billy Wilder they they would mention in interviews that he said he's not a filmmaker, he's not making art, he's making entertainment, and uh, you know I wish everyone took their entertainment this seriously because this is a seriously well made film uh, like I said, it is black and white uh, it's interesting, it's entertaining and uh, watching it only once I don't think I can really give it a just review but uh, it, it looks nice, it sounds nice, uh, made me laugh uh, very interesting and uh, memorable movie for sure the features on here are loaded I'll go through a couple of them and I, I watched everything in here. Uh, who's involved with here. There's an audio commentary with the film historian. He, he talks about, you know, the framing and all sorts of things on here. Uh, there's a, a guy who does a, a small commentary on a scene, uh, video essay, uh, with Billy water and Jack lemon talking about their, their career. And there's also an interview with hope holiday. Who's a, who's a great little character actor in this one. Very funny. Uh, there's a thick book. looks, uh, it looks, it's heavy duty on this case. Uh, And the whole thing together with all that super heavy, it looks like I said, it looks gorgeous. Uh, But but also there's also these uh, archival uh, uh, features ported over, I believe, from the old DVD, which is nice to see. Uh, Regardless, if you like film. In general or you like you know this is a section that i probably shouldn't even talk about but it was interesting to see for the first time well-made movie uh starring jack lemon which is interesting you know i've seen jack lemon's uh, bigger movies like of course some like it hot and the grumpy old men movies but i haven't got to see him you know super young all the time unless he's dressed up like a woman but that is the apartment uh one best picture 1960 and a bunch of other things and uh billy wilder's a guy i would be interested in checking out more of his movies for sure
1: Good night. Oh, Miss Kubelik? I've been waiting for you. You yes. have? I almost didn't recognize you. This is the first time I've ever seen you in civilian clothes. How'd everything go on the 27th floor? Oh, you great. Look, have you seen the music Man? No. Would you like to? Sure. I thought maybe we'd get a bite to eat first, and then we go. Oh, you mean tonight? Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm meeting somebody. Oh. You mean, like a, a girlfriend? No, like a man. I wasn't trying to be personal. It's just the fellas in the office, they were wondering about you, you know, if you ever... You tell them now and then. This date, is it uh, just a date or is it something serious? Well, it used to be serious, at least I was, but he wasn't. So now the whole thing's more or less kaput. Oh, well, in that case, couldn't you... And I'm afraid not. I promised I'd have a drink with him. He's been calling me all week. I, uh... I understand. Well, it was, uh... Just idea. I hate to see a theater ticket go to waste. What time does the show go on? 8.30. Well, I could meet you at the theater, if that's all right. All right, that's wonderful. It's, it's, it's uh, Majestic on 44th Street. I'll meet you in the lobby, okay? Yeah. You know, I felt so lousy this morning. Had a hundred and one fever. Now, along comes my promotion and us, 11th rows Center. You said I should have stayed there. How is your cold? What cold? After the show, we could go out on the town. I've been taken for Arthur Murray. So I see. There's a great little band at El Chico, the village. It's practically around a quarter from where you live. Sounds good. How do you know where I live? Oh, well, I know who you live with. Sister and brother-in-law. I know when you were born and where. I know all sorts of things about you. How come? Oh, a couple of months ago, I looked up your card in the group insurance file. <laughs> I know your height, said your weight, said your social security number. You had bumps, had measles, <laughs> and you had your appendix out. Don't mention the appendix to the fellas in the office, okay? I wouldn't want them to get the wrong idea about how you found out. Aye.
0: The next one here is The Voice of the Moon by Fred, uh, Federico uh, Fellini. Uh, I've never seen a Fellini movie. Uh, you know, I've seen a Pasolini movie. I've never seen a Fellini movie. He's a, a huge Italian director, uh, one of the big dogs. And when you think of uh, you know films, his name pops up all the time. Uh, and this is his last movie. He was very old in this movie. This movie's made in like I want to say like the late eighties, early nineties, and it looks like that. It's an Italian film. It, it, and some of the the scenes with the uh, mausoleums in here reminded me of Cemetery Man. Not quite as, you know, eerie, but it definitely had that little thing going on for it. It, it felt Italian, felt like the time period for sure. Um, the movie stars a guy, uh, stars, as um, follows this character around who just was recently released from a mental uh, institution, and he goes about trying to deliver this sliver, uh, this uh, slipper, sorry, this Cinderella-style slipper to this uh, girl he had a fascination with who kind of resembles the moon. Um and he he's trying to deliver this slipper back that he accidentally stole to her the whole movie she's in beauty pageants and he runs uh it uh, comes in contact with all these strange bizarre characters that have a lot of different things to say and then all these uh, these uh, strange brothers are trying to capture the moon and bring it down uh, I imagine these are weird allegories for things and whatnot and it, it's such a strange thing uh, such a strange movie it feels big in places it, it's well shot uh, it just goes all over the place they say it's a swan song for Fellini but I've not seen his other movies so I can't really compare to that. It's an interesting movie, and I noticed that a lot of cult movies have this kind of similar plot where it's like so-and-so weird character wanders all these different places and he meets all these zany, weird, outrageous characters. And they have all these interactions that lead to other places. Uh, there's some funny moments in here. There's also the highlight to me is this super paranoid old man who thinks everybody's out to get him. And of course him and the mental patient team up and the, uh, paranoid old man befriends him and he's like, you're my, you're my second in command. And they, they, when their, their scenes together are great because this old man is probably the best character in the movie to me because he doesn't trust anyone, and uh, he ends up at this weird, giant concert. Uh, and it's strange that that happens, too, because the movie doesn't feel like it takes place in even modern times. And then that happens, and you're like, wow, it's just so strange. It, it's a bizarre movie, uh, and I think that the beginning looks much more beautiful, but as the movie progresses, it gets more and more, more wild. Um, it, it's cool. Uh, I never had seen it, and I, I believe this is the first time it's ever been released. So, you know, it, it, it looks good. There's a lot of fog and a lot of atmosphere. Uh, the main guy, I'm trying to think, he looked like to me, I'm sure he's a big actor, but to me, it was Dario Argento and uh, Daria Argento and uh, Woody Allen ran into each other at full pace, and he kind of has that weird kind of zany character type. Uh, it's strange that, it's, again, it's a man obsessed, uh, but he is the main character, and you don't dislike him. It's, it's kind of a kind of a weird bizarre movie but uh looks good and sounds good i'm not i'm not 100% on this one as it is a first time view and it, it probably could require a couple more viewings to you know really kind of gather what i feel about it yeah. Uh, the next one here is by Walter Hill this is Johnny Handsome from Lionsgate uh, first off the bat this is not a great looking Blu-ray I'm just going to give you the heads up but uh, this is a Walter Hill movie I mean I believe made in 1989 uh, late 89 with Rye Cooter doing the music again he did the music in Long Riders he did the music in the movie The Border which isn't a Walter Hill movie but probably could have been uh, and it stars this cast here is going to is going to uh, let you guys uh, know that this movie is probably something you want to check out it stars Mickey Rourke as a deformed man uh, elephant kind of John Merritt kind of guy elephant man uh, it has Forrest Whitaker uh, Morgan Freeman Ellen Barkin and uh, of course uh, Lance Hendrickson in a very intense role and Scott Wilson from uh, the ninth configuration The Walking Dead behind the mask all sorts of stuff so it's got a it's got a beautiful cast it's got it's very well acted and that's the number one thing this movie has going for it I do believe there's some strange pacing issues here where it jumps around in places and then stops for long periods of time I understand the pacing seems weird to me I saw this movie years ago on television with my parents and we enjoyed it we remember the ending I always remembered everything about it, but uh, Mickey Rourke gives a great performance, something uh, truly amazing, to be honest, and uh, Morgan Freeman, this is before he's been, you know, this is before Seven, this is before, uh, I want to say it it might even be before Shawshank Redemption, but uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it is. But so, you know, he's not the big, uh, you know, actor he became, but he's really tremendous tremendous in this movie. He's the detective kind of uh, Mickey Rourke's this criminal who gets double-crossed. He has this really messed up face by Ellen Barkin and Lance Hendrickson. They be, they double-cross him and Scott Wilson. And John, uh, Mickey Rourke ends up going to prison, and they say, man, we want to help you out. We believe that because you're, you know, you're... Your 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 facial appearance it kind of ruins your life and put turns you to a, a thing of crime. Forrest Whitaker's this doctor he takes pity on him. They reconstruct his face. Mickey Rourke gets out. He starts this relationship. Starts a new job. He has a chance to go straight. But you know you know how Walter Hill movie is. You know it it's played like a film noir. They don't end happy and uh they don't always go what the characters don't always do what you want them to do. And Mickey Rourke has vengeance on his mind. So he uh infiltrates the gang with Lance Henderson and Ellen Barkin. And you know there's a there's a great back and forth between them trying to figure out who he is and whatnot. But uh uh, the high, uh, two of the highlights to me in this movie, I also mentioned how great Morgan Freeman and Mickey Rourke are, but man, oh man, Lance Hendrickson and Ellen Barkin are vicious monsters in this movie. Their dogs are barking, and Lance Hendrickson's super intense, and you can tell Ellen Barkin is matching it, and they're just sleazy, greasy bad guys. They're the best part of the movie, to be honest. All the acting, like I said, is top-notch. The character's top-notch. The pacing's a little off. The endings, I enjoy it. It's downbeat. The movie takes place in Louisiana, so that's always a plus. I always like seeing that, but it's an interesting Walter Hill movie. Not his best work, but definitely. Definitely something worth checking out. I like it. Uh, I would put it behind Southern Comfort, Extreme Prejudice. I would put it behind those. I would put it on the line with maybe something like Long Riders, a little bit less. But uh, it, it's a, it's a great movie, but it's not his best work. Uh, but check out uh, Johnny Handsome. The disc isn't great, but they did do some features on here, which were nice to see. Interview with uh, the stunt, curator, uh, stunt uh stunt the stunt guy. I can't even say it right now. Uh, who also is a second unit director on here. You'll notice he's in a bunch of Walter Hill movies as a bit parts, Uh, always a stunt man, always know he's going to get messed up. He had a nice juicy role in Deadwood, but he's in this um, interview with him and uh, interview with, I believe the writer. So it's nice on here and it's uh, done by red shirt, red shirt pictures. So that's always cool. Uh, Check it out. I mean, the picture doesn't look great on the the release or anything, but uh, they did do some features. So that's always nice.
1: (laughs) He hid behind the mask of his own face. We're working with him. Walking in the shadows. Thanks to a genetic abnormality, he was born with physical defects that all humanity considered totally disgusting. On the edge yeah. of violence.
2: Yeah. I got something for you, boy!
1: Till one day, his world was shattered. It was just like a big brother to you. you just tell me who they are and where I can find you. You are in the Lockdown Ward at St. Matthew's Charity. I want a program that deals with reconstructive surgery. How would you like a new face? I will give you a new name and a chance at a new life. I know who you are and I know what you are.
2: You look like a great guy, at least I think so. I'm
1: not so sure that I'm what you want. I know what I want. What's the Ready to be normal? But all he sees is the past. I saw them kill my best friend. Why don't you give me a little hint, baby? Help me remember who you are he come to you. I'm gonna take him out big when the time gets right. Do you really think you're gonna get even with me? You got a shot at a better life. You can't just throw that away. I don't think you know what you're messing with. Sure I do.
0: Johnny Handsome. Uh, the next ones the next four I actually do not have physical copies of. Go figure. Uh, I watched two of them on Amazon streaming, one of them on Shutter, and one of them on Vudu. The first one I'll be talking about is on Amazon uh, Prime. It is Tiger Joe. Yeah, this is by Antonio Mer- Mer- uh, Margaretti. I believe he say his name, I probably mispronounced it But Margaretti's done tons of movies uh, This is actually the final part Of his Vietnam trilogy uh, The first, I believe it was uh, The Last Hunter Cannibal Apocalypse, I'm not necessarily sure which one came out First, probably Cannibal Apocalypse, which is one of my all-time Favorite Video Nasty starring John Saxton, Tony King And Giovanni Redici. so it's, it's A great movie, and then uh, the second one is The Last Hunter starring Tony King and David Warbeck And uh, Tisa Farrow, which is also A great Vietnam movie, I love that one And the final was Tiger Joe, which I had not seen. It's never had a nice, decent release. It's only been on VHS and Amazon streaming. Amazon Prime had it for free. It looks like crap. It's on VHS. But that's the best it's going to get. And uh, it is the conclusion to the Vietnam Trilogy. This one has David Warbeck and Tony King and Annie uh, Bell in it from uh, House on the Edge of the Park, among others. So it was nice seeing a familiar cast. David Warbeck kind of plays a similar role, but less uh, jaded. He has a little bit of a shred of hope in him. Uh, Tony King plays Midnight. He is tremendous in this movie I love him in it he's great and Tony King's always intense and there's also this uh, character I can't think of his name uh, Name. he's in Pulp uh, he's an Italian guy and he's also pops up in Blood Black Lace they call him Little Man in this one uh, this one is about um a supplies runner played by uh, David Warbeck, Tony King, and uh, the little guy are his buddies. And he, uh, David Warbeck gets shot down over Vietnam, and he basically has to survive. He gets picked up by these humanitarians. Uh, Annie Hall's one. of uh, Annie Hall, Annie Bell is one of them. So they team up at, on a survival mission. Of course, Tony King and his buddy comes looking for him. Uh, and uh, there's a, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of shooting. Uh, lots of explosions going on. It's basically a survival movie in the jungle. David Warbeck's great in it. He's got the the, the perfect. Uh, persona for this kind of character. Uh, Likeable, but mean, but also has these... He's interesting. He has these dark secrets. I love the back and forth between the three Vietnam guys. uh, Little man, Tony uh, King and uh, David Warbeck. And uh, Tony King is my favorite part. Uh, There's this emotional moment in the movie where something happens to one of the characters and, uh, you know, some people may laugh at it. They're like, oh, that's too over the top. But he was like, little man. I don't want to say it. He's just great and it gets emotional and it leads into a fight. There is a tiger in it uh, and it's, uh, which is awesome. It's just, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. The end fight scene is, is also loads of fun. It, it nonstop action, nonstop, uh, you know, battles. Uh, you know, there's not all these squibs going on, but it is fairly violent, action, fairly action-packed, and the most happy of this Vietnam trilogy. It seems that they might have progressively got happier. Uh, you know, it would have been cool. I love John Saxon. I adore John Saxon in Cannibal Apocalypse. I do. It would have been cool. I adore John Saxton in Cannibal Apocalypse. I adore him. But it would have kind of been cool if they had some consistency with David Warbeck being in all three of the movies. He is in two. And Tony King is in all three. So it would have been really cool to see David Warbeck. But, uh, you know, it's probably my favorite John Saxton role, so I can't really give that up. But, uh, you know, uh, in Cannibal Apocalypse. But uh, Tiger Joe, well with your time. If you want to check it out, it is on Amazon. It's It looks like crap. It's VHS quality, but it is in widescreen. So maybe it's a little better VHS. But really fun vietnam movie italian movie by antonio merdeghetti uh like it more than like it i if i watch it again i would love it come on please give a blu-ray of this one
1: tiger joe an adventure set in the murderous jungles of cambodia Tiger is a tough Vietnam veteran who runs guns to both sides and knows how to use them. Maybe I was wrong in taking it off. He falls in love with a beautiful girl left behind in the Holocaust with whom he fights his way to freedom. And my you for your courage. But how much longer do you think you can keep all this up? Tiger Joe, a story with everything, action, adventure, and romance.
0: The next one is by Bruno Mattei, Shalak Meister. Yeah, it is Robo War. Again on Amazon streaming, Amazon Prime. I had never seen Robot War. Yeah, you guys know Bruno Mattei. King of the Rip, he's a ripoff artist, you know. Hell of the Living Dead's a ripoff of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, You got Wrath, Knights of Terror. Some people say, you know, like Mad Max, Night of Living Dead. And then you got his newer ones, like Zombies: The Beginning, that came out in the early 2000s. That are just straight Alien and Aliens ripoffs. He he remade a Cannibal uh, Holocaust movie, I think, called Cannibal Holocaust: To the Beginning. Uh, Just Bruno Mattei is a ripoff meister, and he makes vastly entertaining movies. Robo War, I had not seen. It is a ripoff. They say of Predator and Robocop. It's just Predator. It's just a remake of Predator. Okay, you have six uh, uh, badass kind of uh, trained military guys uh, led by Red Brown... Uh, that are supposed to go in this jungle and rescue some people. This other guy's forced to go along with him. They don't like him. He's also a commando. So you get the Seven exactly the way Setup Predator does. Even some of the dialogue tries to mimic Predator in embarrassing ways. Red Brown sticks a guy with a knife and says, don't move, instead of stick around. Hilarious. Red Brown has charisma. Red Brown is fun. He pops up in other stuff like the old Captain America movie or Big Wednesday on uh, Common Valor. So he's, he's a familiar face. He's having fun in it. I don't care. It's a seeing all these guys in the movie uh, there's some familiar faces among the, the commandos, you got uh, the guy from Zombie 4 After Death who else is in this one, uh, there's another guy, uh, Romano uh, Pupo who pops up in a bunch of Ennio Casarelli movies and Sergio Martino movies and Ghoulies too. he plays a strong man, so it's great seeing him, he plays a commando so you got some familiar faces, the back and forth between them is, is hilarious. It's not great. Uh, the predator is just a robot and they even do a twist who the predator is, which is hilarious. Uh, and there's a hilarious scene with, with a landmine where, uh, he's like, <laughs> people are getting exploded by landmines. And one guy says, I'll go. It just runs up and blows up. <laughs> and it's just like, why would you go? You're not proving anything. But uh, it's silly. The robot's vastly annoying because he keeps saying uh, locked, 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 device, 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 and he looks cheap. He looks hilarious. Uh, Again, a lot of action. Uh, It is pretty much a low-budget Bruno Mattei remake of Predator. It's fun. Would buy a Blu-ray. Enjoyable as hell. In widescreen. On Amazon streaming. Doesn't look great either.
1: Here we have Corporal Neil Corey. Top marksman rating. Private Larry Garino. Alfred Bray dubbed Papa Doc. Sonny Peel, martial arts expert. His friends call him Blood. Quang, forward scout and point taker. And this is our coordinator, Major Murphy Black. Enemy sighted, moving target, on target, on target, on target, on target. Settling some accounts here. No! No, no, no. No! <laughs> <laughs> Hatim> Major, this belonged to Lieutenant Woodring. Remember him? <laughs>
2: they <Toledo.
0: laughs> came On target, on target, on
1: target.
2: Oh
0: boy, the next one is a shutter exclusive. And I shudder to think about it, man. I know that's a terrible, terrible transition. Uh jeez, Louise Mancuso. By Flying Lotus, it's a musician of some sorts. This is an anthology, I guess, about the the uh, earthquake. This is the Shutter exclusive, an earthquake cracking open and releasing these weird bugs and viruses and everybody's sick. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know what is going on. It is an interesting movie. To say it's bad, to say I don't like it, I couldn't do that. I couldn't say that. It's so weird. It's gross. Almost everything about this movie was repulsive to me. There's all these different stories that cut. They don't play chronologically. They just cut or jump around with all these different characters. Uh, The best one to me is the guy who is scared of uh, boobs, and he goes to the doctors to have this strange bug come out of a man, George Clinton the musician's anus and spew crap on him so he can get over his, uh, you know, fear of breast. That's what we're dealing with here. There is a horrifically nasty scene uh, short in here with a little creature that grows on a woman's neck and uh, <sighs> sexual things happen. It is, it is partially funny at times, but it is so gross. There's lots of poop. There's lots of pus. There's lots of weird animation that reminds me of Jimmy Screamer Claws. It is a fairly extreme movie. It is, Goofy, and stupid, and gross, and at times, uh, metaphorically well-made. Uh, strange, strange world that these people live in, and I don't want to see any more of it, unless <laughs> I have to. Uh, but I've never seen anything quite like Kuso. I will say that. Uh, if you like interesting movies, if you like kind of disturbing, strange movies where you say, what the hell is going on? Uh, if you have a weak stomach, pass it pass on it. But if you don't, if you are very feeling very, uh, you know, very, uh, what am I looking for here? Adventurous? Then I would definitely check it out. I need to see it again. It's maybe a movie that I would show people. Like, man, watch how gross and weird and different this is. I mean, it's a compliment for sure. I'm not sure if I like it, but I appreciate making something weird and different and crazy like this. Uh, Lexington Steel pops up in there too. If you don't know who that is, uh, then uh, I'll let you discover that on your own. But Cuso, a bizarre anthology unlike anything else uh dark twisted but uh sometimes funny always gross always repulsive just super weird man super super weird the crazy weird bizarre animation and uh a lot of repetitive things that happen into it that are there to kind of jar your memory i uh, just jar your mind just make it's so weird such weird stuff that guy over
1: there We should take you to the doctor. You got to understand. I can cure your ass. But you got to be willing to finish the procedure. Skin me alive. I survived and I can barely believe it. It's amazing. But it's too late! Death is on your hell. It's okay. You know, the procedure for a fool (laughs) to recognize his wiser self requires the polarizing, undoing (laughs) of all his fears.
0: Oh, the next one is Pick of the Week. Uh Eduardo Hernandez Lopez won and he picked the new uh Leatherface movie, Leatherface. Yeah. I had not heard much about it except that mostly negative things. And it was directed by the guys who did Inside. I love Inside. Been a long time since I've seen it. And I'm not one of these guys that says, man, Leatherface has to be, you know, rule. It has to follow the same stories of the family, cutting people up and turning them into sausages, yada, yada, yada. I love Leatherface 1. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I should say. The original 74. Masterpiece. Hands down. Don't even try to argue it. I'm not going to listen. Part 2. Vastly fun by Toby Hooper as well. Enjoy it. Like it. Quite a bit. Uh, Dennis Hopper, going nuts. Uh, Bill Mosley like it. Leatherface 3, I kind of like it. Leatherface 4, not really. Uh, didn't care for the remake. Didn't care for the prequel, although i mean, at the beginning. They have good gore. Uh, watched part of the Texas Chainsaw one that came out a bit. Couldn't get into it. And the timeline was all weird. This one is different. This one is bizarre. This one is not a Leatherface movie, which is a problem. For a lot of people. But like I just said, I don't care if it follows exactly the same stories. It's not going to bug me as long as it's good. Uh, Unfortunately for me, I did not like it either. I didn't think it was particularly good. Um, The movie starts off with promise. It starts off in the opening where, you know, this kid is a little, he's in the uh, Sawyer family. He doesn't want to do what his family's doing, but he ends up kind of caving in and leading uh, a victim in and they die. This ends up being the sheriff's daughter and it's Stephen Dorff. Who is aged fairly well, I'm surprised, he snaps. He basically takes all the kids away from the Sawyer mother because he can't prove it was murder, but he can get rid of her kids. They all get taken away, especially the young kid. They never find him. Uh, Ten years pass, uh, and at this nut house, I don't, shouldn't say nut house, this insane asylum, although these people are far more than just insane. They're crazy. There's something wrong with them. These aren't the type of people that go into nut the house. They say it's a very, very violent, uh, insane asylum. Uh, they changed the name, they changed their history, and it's been ten years, so you know you don't know who Leatherface is in this place uh and My biggest problem with this movie is they think they're doing some sort of twist. there doesn't need to be a twist and 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 if you start to think that you catch hints that they're doing a twist, and then after a while you think this isn't clever. This is just a waste of time. Like I explained it, like it's a movie about somebody going in the grocery store looking for milk, and then at the very end of it, they pull a piece of cheese off and say, "I wasn't looking for milk. I was looking for cheese." And then they walk out. That's what it reminds me of. I don't know why, how, how to define that exactly, but that's what's going on here. Uh, The positives for me are the gore. It has it has pretty good gore. Uh, It has it has kind of a cool setup. but really, it, it turns into, like, less of a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, which I don't really mind, but the whole story pertains to that so much that it, it, it's it, it's a kind of annoying. Like, it pertains so much to the Texas Chainsaw lineage, like, it talks about it all the time. I mean, it is. It has to be. And it's not at all. It doesn't really feel like one, which I, I wouldn't necessarily care. They're all so different and also weird. But... uh It's just something particularly about it I didn't care for. It plays a lot more like a Quentin Tarantino Rob Zombie ripoff than it would a Texas Chainsaw movie or even a horror movie in that matter. It doesn't really play like a horror movie. Uh, There's a scene in a diner that's just like, man, this is very Tarantino Rob Zombie-ish. And uh, the characters in here are, are just very annoying. Uh, to put it, uh, some are okay, but there's a couple that are just aggravatingly annoying in here, but I gotta give the movie props for doing a couple things that I didn't expect it to do there's a burn victim who has a sex scene and uh, their face and their body and they show it, and I was like, you know what that's probably the best scene of the whole movie, that movie that little thing took kind of balls, which I thought was kind of cool Uh, and and, uh, they set up some moments that I think are really great, but they don't pay off because the ending, and uh, the psychology of the Leatherface is just, I don't I don't understand it. And then they shoehorn something in at the end with lipstick when I don't spoil too much. I understand what they're going for. And I don't think it works like that, but, uh, there's some moments worth watching, I guess, especially if you're interested in it. Steven Dorff, I think does a good job. He does his best William Forsythe uh, from devil's rejects, but, um, Saying that, I understand that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 originally was kind of, you know, The Devil's Rejects kind of was like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 where you have this guy out for revenge, chasing the gang down, chasing the family down. But this doesn't feel like that, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And like I said, I don't really have to have it feel like it, but I have to have it be good. And I don't think it's good. So it's hard to criticize it for being different, but it's not because it's different. It's because it's something else than it should be. And, And that something else isn't good either. If that makes sense to anybody, it does feel like just a bad remake of Devil's Rejects, or, or with like Tarantino like flourishes in it. But it has the nice setup of the insane asylum, so it gives you some promise. Like, cool man, Leatherface in the insane asylum? Yes, I'm in. But that's not what you get. You get an escape and the sheriff's chasing him uh, on a blood crazy rampage. There's some fun, gory moments in here, but I really can't recommend it. Uh, I love the Pick a Week thing because I would have never watched this, and I be I, I kind of interested. In I bought it on Voodoo. I really appreciate uh, people partaking in it. Uh, Eduardo Hernandez Lopez, I hope you enjoyed the movie. I know you purchased it, but uh, I hope you like it. I think that there is some things to be enjoyed about it. It's just not for me. It, I mean, there are some good special effects in here. And uh, the setup is kind of fun, but I don't like the pay. It's just like, why bother? It's <laughs> You're not making a mystery here. I don't want it as a mystery. You trying to make us crash.
1: You want me to stop? What is it? I don't know. What? (gasps) Okay, now, make a wish. You ready for your present? boys go this instant he's not under arrest he's under protection what are you talking about i'll take all yours burn all of them the state of texas instituted an endangered child care program keeping them here is safer for everyone every cop from here to New Mexico on the lookout. This is evil. He's putting down. You show him who you are.
0: Get into the Q&A. Uh, Jonathan Wilhelm, do you double dip on your movies? Yes, I do end up double dipping sometimes. If it's a different print, if it's a better print, if it's uncut, or sometimes the features are immaculate, I will double dip. Uh, I upgrade, too. Like, if it's on DVD and I like it, or I haven't even seen it and I'm interested, I'll wait till the Blu-ray and I'll buy it. So I have a lot of movies on DVD that I bought 10 years ago I haven't watched, but I want to wait for a Blu-ray now because I've waited 10 years already, if that makes any sense. Uh, Dan, how do you decide what movies to buy? Uh, By company I look at, by director, by actor, by buzz, all sorts of different things. Are there any plans on a possible room collection tour video? Yes, but uh, it's going to be a a month or so. I want to get another shelf for my Blu-ray room because uh, it's overflowing and I like to present it nicely. Nick, these days a lot of older classics find their way to Blu-ray. They are usually accompanied by audio commentaries done by fans. Any old classics you would like to do a commentary for? I don't know if I'm uh, skilled enough or trained enough or knowledgeable enough to do a commentary on something. I, I'd really have to sit down, and I imagine the ones I'd want to do one for, there'd be somebody better at it than me. So it's like, uh, what would I do? I'd, I'd want to do a lot of research beforehand, uh Something that I could talk about all day. I'd like to talk about, you know, stuff that maybe nobody would give a crap about. I mean, not saying it's bad. I love it. The item or culbus, you know, something like that would be fun for me, I guess. Or fan commentaries and just put them online. If you guys would ever want to see fan commentaries, you know, I don't want to do it by myself. Maybe find a buddy of mine. James Kramer, what's the most trippy movie you've ever seen? Right now, Kuso. Kuso uh, is trippy. Ugh. I'll go with that for now. Mr. Tony of the Dead. Hey, Dave, my question is, who or what is your all-time favorite movie monster? The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Me and him have a history uh, as a kid. Also, is there any movie that you think deserves a sequel but has never had one? Neon Maniacs would have been great. And there are a lot of slasher movies back in the day that I thought would have made cool sequels that never got made. You know, everybody brings up my bloody valentine and that one probably would have done well with a sequel to be honest uh could have been a nice franchise In that i mean if you think about it some movies get so many sequels and then others don't i want more Ghoulies sequels but that got sequels i want more uh um what's something i would have loved to see a sequel of neon maniacs i really would have because i think they would have made it bigger and better and nightbreed of course nightbreed really desperately would have loved a sequel it's the first one i will be checking out is from on earth films this is Lilith's hell yeah, On Earth Films. They release a lot of gnarly stuff. I remember when DVDs, when I first started buying a lot of DVDs, they had some of the craziest titles on the market. They had the the guinea pig movies. They had Philosophy of a Knife. So, uh, they've been going strong for years. There's, they recently started getting in the Blu-rays, which I think is cool. This is the DVD. Uh, this is uh, an Italian film. Uh, it's also a found footage movie. It's also kind of a possession movie. So, it's got... I love Cannibal Holocaust. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Top five horror movies. But, I'm not that big in found footage movies. I'm not that big into possession movies unless they're more the demon style like demons or evil speak stuff like that so these kind of two genres mixed uh, it's just two things that i'm not a huge fan of and uh so the story here is uh it's also a movie about movie making which is uh, really hard to do so it's three things that i'm very unsure sure of uh, in a movie we follow this, uh, two film obsessed fans, especially one. He's obsessed with Cannibal Holocaust. He's obsessed with Bajiro Diodato. He wants to make this ultimate horror movie, but he doesn't call it a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. And, uh, he, uh, has his friend help him get all these locations. His friend's a moron. His friend's doing it to sleep with girls. They end up setting up in this house, and, uh, it's, uh, a, it's a, the one guy's grandmother's house, and they start to, uh, you know, notice some strange things going on. A couple of the, uh, Uh, actresses show up and, uh, that's when things start to pick up. It's about 40 minutes before anything substantial happens. Uh, and when they want to do something supernatural, it's like, uh, you know, a security camera or the camera and it will, it'll just glitch. And that's supposed to be the scares for 40 minutes. That's supposed to keep you interested for 40 minutes. For me, that doesn't really work. Uh, after, after it actually picks up and uh, a possession actually takes place, it does actually start to get better, but it takes way too long to get started. Uh, it is shaky, and I, I'm more probably being harder on this movie than I should because this movie made in 2014. It just really wasn't released till recently, so it's already dated. It's already had a huge ditch advantage there. But what is cool is they set up a mythology. They use biblical stuff uh, to create their monster, and I really like that. If you guys know who Lilith is, it was the first woman uh, before Eve. And uh, there's a long story about her being evil and whatnot in the Bible. That's what they're going for here. And uh, I like that kind of setup. Uh, I don't like how it's done It's just not something typically I would enjoy Uh, I kind of like some of the uh, Filmmaker's dialogue, screaming about Regiro Diodato. I like the cameo by Regiro I love seeing that Uh, The movie's really, uh, really Not my thing. Uh, It has some Interesting mythology and I think That's probably why On Earth put it out because The second half of the movie kind of Tackles a biblical possession issue In a more serious matter and it does have Some pretty gnarly moments but it's not as Anything particularly gross compared to other other stuff. There is some special features on here. There's interviews with the cast and crew. Interview with Roger Diodato, and some trailer trailer reel. Uh, I I can't really give this one a recommendation. Uh, it's just a bunch of uh, genres and subgenres. I'm not thrilled to watch. Uh, with uh, you know, I'm not huge on possession. I'm not uh, huge on found footage, and I'm not really big on movies about making movies. There is some, of course, uh, you know, ones I do enjoy with those things, but there's not very many. So that's little as hell. Uh, I am happy that they're making movies in Italy again. That's always nice to see. There's a couple guys out there still doing it, and it's nice to see uh, an Italian horror movie come out every once it's in scary.
2: a while. scary. Marco, what does she want now? Uh, the plot of the movie. Okay. Cannibal Holocaust. Have you seen it? The masterpiece of Ruggero Deodato. The most horrific movie in history. Cannibals, stories about demons and and angels and witches, they don't scare anybody because they're not about
1: real things. Instead, we do realism! What is this place? It's strange. Thousands of years and nothing has changed. Lily didn't accept that it was always sudden to fuck her,
2: always him in the same position.
1: Don't look at her in the eyes! She wanted to fuck him also, riding from top. No! But Adam refused. to be subdued and God drove her out because of that.
0: Speaking of Italian horror movies, this is actually one of my all-time favorites uh, from Italy, and one of my all-time favorite movies in general, from uh, Italy. Of course, 1994, uh, Michele Suave's movie, Cemetery Man. This is actually a Japanese Blu-ray. I hadn't watched it in a while, and I was like, I want to check out the Japanese Blu-ray, see if it's worth the time, see if it's worth it. I put it in, and I noticed it It is an improvement from the DVD. I did notice some seams, like some seams on the special effects makeup here. To explain what Cemetery Man is, is kind of bizarre. I really don't know how to do it. It's based on a comic book that I never read. Dylan Dog is based off the same source material. Of the movie heard pretty bad things about that one. This one stars Rupert Everett, uh, and he runs a cemetery where the dead come back to life within seven days. He is an engineer, as the mayor calls him, and he must clean up the bodies. No one knows about it except his uh, is a uh, helper, his gravedigger, digger, Noggy, who only talks in weird uh, no yeah. He doesn't talk very much. He's like a halfwit, but he's also brilliant in his own way. If you see the movie. But, uh, Rupert Everett, uh, Francesco Della More, starts noticing, you know, uh, that this town seems to be strange, different, uh, very unique in a, in a way. And it's such a weird movie. It tackles so many different issues. It's surreal. Um, and the twist ending in this movie wouldn't work for any other movie I would be like oh okay and, and if it wasn't handled correctly throughout the entire movie you would literally laugh and say it's as bad as the dream sequence like oh it was all a dream but it's handled so well it's so beautiful it takes place like I said in a cemetery so it has a lot of these, these great sculptures these great tombstones death makes an appearance he looks magnificent it's horrifically violent when people get shot in the head or the zombies get shot in the head it, it splatters uh, it's also a beautiful love story that is haunting and uh, disturbing at times. Uh, Delamore goes nuts, and uh, he almost becomes like this serial killer. It's like this love story, this mind screw of a movie, a zombie movie, a serial killer movie, and so much more in here. It's a beautiful movie, it, it, and it's a shame that Michele, uh, Michele Suave didn't do more movies, because he made four horror movies. He's a protégé of Dario Gentoo. He made four horror movies, and they're all outstanding, if you ask me. He did the the Stage Fright, the Church, the Sec, and then Cemetery Man, the They're all good stuff. Uh, I love a a, a U.S. uh, Blu-ray of Cemetery Man, but this is Region A, so we'll play in people's players. The quality I said is an improvement on the DVD. I don't know if it is something the quality that someone would want for Cemetery Man, but I think it looks good. Uh, the lead actress in here, Anna Falchi, that she keeps popping up as this love interest says a lot in here. And it, although it can't be the same person, but it is the same person. It's that feeling when you see somebody that you desire or you have to have. They're just it's the same, but it's different. It's so so awesome in that aspect. And uh, Rupert Everett's great in it. Uh, there's a lot of comedy too. It's a dark comedy as well. Uh, at one point he has to kill a bunch of boy scouts and nuns and there's some really great uh, comic book style stuff in here like this character gets buried with his bike and he comes back on the bike and you think immediately you think that Dario Gentile, Lumberto Bava style with demons in the bike. It's just one of the coolest, most unique films you'll ever see it has a beautiful look, it's beautiful it's fun, it's everything you could ever want in a movie. It's one of my all time favorites. I would really highly recommend Cemetery Man. It's a masterpiece
1: I don't know how the epidemic started what I know is that some people on the seventh night after their death Come
0: back to life. I call them
1: returners. I have not even alone. I've got a helper, Nagi. No on his ID card, it reads distinctive visible marks. Yeah! the most beautiful living woman I have ever seen. The cemetery's small, but it's got a marvelous ossuary. I don't want to. I can't. Why on your poor husband's grave, huh? You would have liked. That's well, oh, so. life. So he came back to the dead, he raped her, and then bit her the dead. Is it true what they say? Did the dead come back to life here at night? Go, Go away. I haven't got time for the living.
2: How sweet. Yeah. No, please don't! Down. Not as long, dear, as I've got a breath in my body.
1: All right. If you don't want the dead coming back to life, why don't you just kill the living?
0: Smoking is not allowed in here! What are you playing on the floor, sister? Just praying.
1: I tell him off, wait! There's another maniac on the loose. He already shot three! Somebody's stoned my crimes. Make a wish. I want you to fall in love with me. (laughs)
0: next one here I actually watched on Shudder I've been doing that a lot lately you know a lot of people would talk about Shudder this podcast Shockwaves talks a lot of, about a lot of it, a lot about it and I enjoy checking that out the one I, I watched because they did it on the Cinema Attack podcast and it sounded amazing is The Man From Nowhere this is a, a Korean movie from 2010 uh, Korean films are a weak spot which I wish they weren't but they are so uh, you know I'm trying to make up for that because every I, I realize that every Korean I've never seen a bad Korean movie they're always good, so I'm like, you know, I should probably watch more. I've never been disappointed. So, The Man from Nowhere, 2010. This is kind of this is kind of a crazy revenge crime movie. It follows this guy, The Man from Nowhere. You don't know much about him. He's befriends this little girl. The little girl's family gets caught up in some weird drug organ uh, harvesting scheme. And he goes after the criminals to rescue her. The cops are on to him because uh, it, it looked, the criminals kind of set him up. So he goes after these two brothers and their organization. And, it, and, and no way is he going to stop without getting them. There's lots of great action. There's lots of great fight scenes. There's an emotional core behind the movie. Uh, the two brothers are great bad guys. All the bad guys are unique and uh, assholes. And you want to see them, you know, die. And uh, they even humanize some of them, which is really great. Uh, The end fight scene in here is intense. It's one of those moments where you get on the edge of your seats and you say, Oh my God, it's so cathartic watching him beat up all the bad guys. And uh, like they said in the Cinema Attack podcast, there's some moments, there's some great dialogue in here that give you chills up your back when he says, you live for today or tomorrow. I only live for today and I feel sorry for you because that means basically no matter what happens, I'm going to get you and I'm going to kill you. This movie is kind of complex in the way it unfolds, its crime elements and stuff, and you do have to pay attention, but it's well worth your time. It's it's uh, it's well acted, it has a dramatic core. And you know, I never I noticed this about Korean movies is that they'll take this great uh, big movie... Uh, Uh, And they'll make it a genre movie, and they don't care, and that's what makes it so beautiful. They take as much uh, love and uh, filmmaking skills in their genre movies, in their revenge movies, in their horror movies, in their science. They just do a great job. And, uh, you know, I love revenge movies, and a lot of Korean movies are revenge stories. And uh, The Man from Nowhere is no different. It's a very sad ending, but uh, not as sad as one might think, but uh, as it could be, I guess I'll say. But uh, there's some really great moments. Very memorable movie. I'd really like to see it again. It is on Shutter. But
1: there's. There's <sighs> 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 <sighs>
0: Watched on Shudder. It is from 2010 as well, and it is a Korean horror film or revenge film, I will say again. It is bedeviled. This one I have the DVD. I have never watched it. Uh, I watched it on Shudder, and I was sitting in there. This is the Cinema Attack mentioned this. Uh, I think uh, I've been listening to that podcast a lot. I think that uh, Derek put it in his top five Korean films, and it was on Shudder, so I was like, I'm going to check that out. This one. Is something I would en- I enjoy more. It feels like a Fulci movie in that it has this superstitious island that is really uh, obsessed with males and uh, it's very it's it's woman uh, mostly women on the island, but they respect men and they like put them on this pedestal because something that tragic that happened on the island and there's not many men around, so they put them on this pedestal. Uh, there's this poor woman who's abused by her husband along, and she has a kid with this man. Um, and uh, she sends away for a friend to come visit her. Her friend uh, witnesses a murder, so she, or an attack or something like that, so she thinks it's a good time to leave. She gets suspended from work for a fit of rage. So she goes to this island where she grew up on. She hadn't been there in years. She kind of uh, ran away from her past. She always runs away from things. That's kind of her her thing. She ends up going to this island, and you realize she starts to realize that her friend is in deep trouble, but is she going to do anything? You don't really know. And uh, what happens in this movie is a lot of horrible things. This character is put through actual hell. You see how she is treated. You see her boiling point, And eventually, like I said, it is a revenge film. And uh, you side with this person so much. It's so emotional. And there's a point where she freaks out in the movie. And it's on caliber with the freak out in the film Possession in the uh have anybody seen Possession, where she freaks out with the groceries in the uh, I want to say it's like a train uh, thing, whatever, on subway. She loses her mind, and uh, that's like this too, uh, where something happens, and they say they try to grab her, and she's like, oh, Pete and she just loses it. And it's a beautifully emotional scene. It's great. I love that it takes place on the island. I love that there's these dual storylines going on. I love that there's a past. I love when stuff is revealed correctly. It, it's probably a masterpiece, to be honest. The ending's great, uh, and at the very end, they give you something. They show you a little bit, a little bit more into their storyline and uh it, it just makes it all you know click a little bit better and uh, you understand the two lead characters in the film uh i haven't hated this many people i haven't wanted to kill this many people in a movie in a very very long time uh and technically some of them aren't villains they're just allowing this thing to happen but it, it's just awful and uh it's just uh what shows you about a really gross society what it can happen it's not necessarily superstitious like a Fulci movie like I said but it's just you know this ass backwards society that's completely a mess I would really recommend checking it out bedeviled Uh, it's on Shudder but there's a DVD and I believe there's a Blu-ray floating around as well a great revenge story it it hit when the violence hits it hits pretty hard and uh, again a great emotional core in the center of this one
2: 찔러 있지 말고 굳이라도 말어야 여잔 남자 조슬 물고 살아야 편한겨.
1: 나하고 연이 서울에 데려가면 안 되겄냐? 왜 그래?
0: Next one comes from 1983. It comes from Italy. It comes from Amazon Prime. Uh, explosive Action corrected me. I said that the original Antonio Merighetti, uh Vietnam trilogy was Cannibal Apocalypse, The Last Hunter, and Tiger Joe. Uh, he did direct four movies involving Vietnam, probably more, but the, the more traditional trilogy is The Last Hunter, Tiger Joe, and this one, The Last Blood, A.K. Tornado. Uh, this is also on Amazon Prime streaming, and it looks actually a little bit better than some of the other ones. It's in widescreen. It's a Vietnam movie, of course, 83. It's the last of the trilogy. It does not star David Warbeck, unfortunately, but it does star Little Man from Tiger Joe uh, as a reporter. This one's a very interesting movie, and it, it predates uh, Platoon. And the more and more I think about Platoon, I know it probably it owes some to Deer Hunter. Uh, Last Blood owes a lot to Deer Hunter. But uh, the more and more I think about Platoon, I scratch my head and I love. I love that movie. I'm like, but I'm thinking the score is like a lot like The Elephant Man. The scene with the pig, where uh, uh, Kevin Dillon shoots the pig, is directly ripped from Cannibal Holocaust. And then this plot feels a lot like, uh, you know, it's a lot like you know, Platoon is a lot like this one. So I'm thinking, man, Platoon isn't as original as anyone would think, even though Oliver Stone said it was based off his actual things in Vietnam. It just feels like a lot of other movies, although it is a good movie. It just feels like a lot of other stuff. Um, not that there's that much wrong with that, but The the Last Blood uh, follows this super uh, soldier. He's a great soldier, um, and he sees, like, it, it, this Moon reminds me of Cross of Iron by Sam Peckinpah, where you see all these soldiers just doing their job and doing it very well, but, you know, not being able to cut through the bureaucracy of war and the, the bullshit and the, high, the hierarchy and the, the commanding officer being a monster, and that's kind of what's going on here. The commanding officer, you know, makes all these commands that get people killed, and uh, for what reason? For what? This is what this guy's saying. Uh, one of his friends gets injured. injured. Injured in something that he does, and the guy is an athlete, his legs injured. This is kind of putting the lead guy on, you know, teetering back and forth, and something tragic happens, and he snaps. He ends up attacking the commanding officer. This puts them at wit's end. He ends up escaping into the jungle. So you have all these aspects. There's war parts with a lot of good action typical Vietnam stuff, these typical Italian Vietnam stuffs. but then you have this escape plan, which is like the deer hunter where he's, he's trapped and he's tortured and he escapes, and then you have him going against the commanding officer in like a face st- a showdown. This movie has enough action and enough stuff going on to make like two or three decent Vietnam movies. Uh, it's vastly entertaining, and the ending is super downbeat. It doesn't even feel like it should get that downbeat, but it keeps in line with Tiger Joe and uh, The Last Hunter, Tiger Joe being the actually the only one that's upbeat. Even out of the four Vietnam movies he did, Tiger Joe's the most upbeat, so I won't really include that. But as uh, the other ones, it, this one is super downbeat at the end. But uh, it also reminds me of Rambo, First Blood, for sure as well. So it's a very entertaining movie uh, where it pits a man against an army, a man uh, stuck uh, against uh, you know uh, his own army against uh, the Viet Cong and and, a bureaucracy it's it's a really great movie i thought it was vastly entertaining it is cheesy in points but you know it's well worth the time and i love little man in this i love the reporter aspect uh tagging along and they're betting on whether the commander's going to win this out through or uh or sergeant maggio who's the main guy but the last blood uh aka uh tornado check it out on amazon streaming there'll be a link below
2: well worth your time
1: North of Z Dock. We pulled out of there a month ago. I think it's your man. Sure, it was. Right, Harlow? Charlie's didn't know what they were in for when they grabbed him. I do, Dodah. Now then,
2: do you admit to your crimes?
1: <laughs> now, look! Hold, Hold them back! Stay
2: out of this! Let him go!
1: This is just what I wanted. There'll be a court martial. <clears throat> He's not just any deserted. Oh yeah, I know.
0: He's a Superman. Uh, the last streaming one I'll be checking out is a Jean Roland movie, uh, a French director. Not seen any of his movies. I know. I have a bunch on DVD, but I watched this on Shudder as well. This is Slips of Blood. They talked about this, I think, on. Um, was it the Moods, 22 Moods podcast? And I've always wanted to see Gene Roland's movies. I have some. I have a bunch of them. I just never got a chance to watch them. Now they're on Blu rays. So I'm like, I'll wait. I want to buy the Blu rays to watch those. But Lips of Blood, this is a strange movie. Uh, you know, a lot of people say his films are slow, and they are slow, but they're very artistic. They're very nice looking, they're very beautiful. <laughs> Uh, sometimes that can go a long way Sometimes it can get boring This one I think is worth your time uh, It follows the story of this uh, man at a party And he, he sees this picture And uh, Have you ever seen something that triggers this nostalgia in life? That's what happens to him He sees that and says, where is that? I have to go there that, it, it just triggered like this, this hidden memory I used to have Where is that? So he starts doing detective work Leads to one person, leads to another Finds out who took the picture And then it starts leading him places Here, there, here and there And then he finally realizes that the girl There's this girl that he liked a kid named annie bell and his parent his mother is hiding these secrets and he ends up going there and uh he realizes there's this strange crypt with vampires uh it, it takes a while to get where it's going and when it's done you're not necessarily sure exactly what happened but uh the setup is beautiful the setup's great because the idea of seeing something that triggers this uh what's that what's that called uh what do they call that back in the nineties uh, or eighties when all the kids said they had it where they were like, you were molested as a kid and you just it triggered memory. And then they had these memories come back and then it, it comes back. It's like that kind of like, a, uh, you know, um, I can't even think of the word. It's, it's right on the tip of my tongue to these, um, uh, memories that basically have been hidden in your memory in your mind forever. And it's that, that's, that's such a cool aspect to open up a horror movie with because it, there's no telling what you don't remember. Um, uh, so that's basically what happens, and he goes on this whole mission here and there. The guy reminds me of kind of like a Richard Lynch type, except if Richard Lynch didn't have the scars and could be considered handsome, I guess that's what he would look like, but uh, Annie Bell is in House on the Edge of the Park, and she was in Tiger Joe from last week. Uh, she's kind of a famous at, 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 for being in Italian uh, films. Uh, I think she actually might be French. This one's French, but uh, it's got it's got a lot of atmosphere. It's got a lot of uh, kind of cool visuals. I like the vampire aspect, how they're in there, and it reminds me, if, if this explain it to anybody, the movie Holidays, which I'm not a huge fan of, but there is a story in there about Father's Day, called Father's Day. It reminds me of that, that this you know this letter they get, and it's kind of like triggers this thing and they go on. It, it reminds me of that, kind of finding, following your path and you're falling probably to certain doom. But uh, Lips of Blood is, is worth checking out, and I'm excited to check out more Gene Roland movies. Uh, hopefully I'm saying his name right, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, the first one we're going to review is River's Edge. Yeah, this is by uh, Tim Hunter. I've never seen any of his other movies. I don't know. He's directed a couple more, but uh, this was made in 1986 as Crispin Glover, Keanu Reeves, Daniel Roebuck, and uh, most importantly... Dennis Hopper. Oh yeah, Dennis Hopper's in this. Yeah, uh, I had never seen this. It's got a cult following. Uh, there's a couple ones like came out like this that I had never checked out. And uh, i had only heard good things, so when I put it in, I didn't know exactly what to expect. But the story is as follows. Uh, it's kind of this uh, run-down kind of town with these teenagers that uh, hang out and just smoke weed and kind of do petty crimes and they have this uh older guy who they get weed from feck played by dennis hopper who has this weird kind of shady past and uh one of their friends ends up committing a murder and uh psychologically he's not all there something's wrong with him and uh crispin glover takes it upon himself to kind of cover everything up because he wants to be a part of something that's basically the movie
2: yeah basically you
0: have anything to add to the plot
2: um Man, I should have thought about this, huh? Let's see. Uh, What can we add? Oh, um, it has that little Weasley guy oh, in it. Oh, it
0: also has Josh Miller, who I complete. Joshua Miller, who pops up. He is the best snotty kid of all time. He pops up in Near Dark, class of 1999. And uh, he pops up with something else where he's not completely as despicable. Class of 99, he's not so bad. But Near Dark and this, you want to strangle him. Uh, he uh, plays County's brother. There's a whole like great dichotomy between the family, uh, a lot of family issues. Leo Ross, he plays like, this kind of stepfather. Uh, but this movie is a, a jet black comedy, which I don't think some people will understand. Uh, and Crispin Glover's character, the way Crispin Glover is an odd person. He's always kind of odd in movies and often. You just watch this movie and you know this guy's not right in real life. He's different. He's unique. And he plays his character so uniquely and so differently. At first I said, I looked at Jeremy, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what is he doing? And as it progressed, it made perfect sense. The way he, his mannerisms, his voice, the way he acts like he's connected to the guy that committed the murder like they're best friends and they're not. And that's just how kids are and how they act. And it's a perfect
2: portrayal. Yeah, the, it, it starts out with, like, the the kids, one of the kids' friends commits a murder. And, like, all the kids kind of hang out with each other. They're all kind of, like, ha- have that, like, punk life mentality. And is it Josh Miller? Joshua Miller. Yeah, is. Joshua Miller. He's, he's the youngest brother to Keanu Reeves, and he's kind of, like, getting into that whole, like, punk life, you know, fuck the police, fuck the world kind of mentality. Yeah. And it seems like most of the... Older kids, like Keanu Reeves, uh... Crispin Glover. Not so much Crispin... Well, the ones that hang out with Crispin Glover, but some of the older kids are kind of like... They're kind of at that phase where maybe they're kind of growing out of it. Especially the murder. It kind of makes them like... Hey... Because when, um... What's his name, John? Daniel Roebuck. Yeah, when when he shows them the body, like, everybody's like... Nobody tells the police at first. They all... They don't necessarily cover it up, but they're like, Whoa, this is pretty intense.
0: And... And Daniel Robeck's such an interesting character in the movie, and his uh, he ends up pairing up a lot with Dennis Hopper in this movie, and their interactions, and their reasoning for uh, Dennis Hopper has, like I said, a shady past. The reasoning for what they did is the complete opposite, but they're both in kind of the same boat. Uh, and it's a, there's beautiful interactions between them. At one point, Dennis Hopper's always talking about I killed this girl. I loved her. I loved her. And he has the gun. He carries around the gun and everywhere. And there's this my favorite interaction, one of the one of two where Dennis Hopper interacts with Daniel Roebuck. Daniel Roebuck is a shell. He he is a future serial killer of America. He's just somebody who's clearly psychological damage. Clearly doesn't have any moral compass. They're a, 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 a psychotic or a sociopath for sure. And Dennis Hopper says, "I killed a girl." He's like, did, "He's like, I killed a girl." He's like, "Did you love her?" And and Daniel Roback goes, "She was all right," and just shrugs off. He's just like one of these people that just did it to feel how it felt, and it, the, the the emotional stuff he says afterwards is so haunting, and it leaves Dennis Hopper's character with a great decision
2: to make, and it, it's so dramatic. It is um, like like Joshua Miller is he's all for covering it up. He wants to be included in that yeah. punk life and. Like I said, the older kids, you know, they're starting to like edge away from it, and ultimately somebody rats on.
0: Yeah, yeah. On you know, they, I don't want to spoil the too much. Yeah. of whereas like we're just basically running down the plot, but it, it's super well made in the way it is. It's low budget. Uh, the Blu-ray looks fairly solid. It does have these grainy moments, but uh, really, what it is is just kind of. Uh, a slice of life movie, but it's a dark comedy, and there's a lot of funny moments, and a lot of things come back, like uh, the small town. Where especially with Daniel Roebuck, I've seen him pop up in things before, like a lot of the Rob Zombie stuff, and he, he's always good, he's always solid. But this is like a performance that you see one of these actors do. Like I said, it was a good actor, and you're like, man, only if every actor got to do something this good, or only if he got to do more stuff like this, it would be beautiful. But uh, it's a really w- awesome movie. I don't think that many people talk about. It. It's a crime kind of coming of age. T- movie, you know, it has like talks about sex and whatnot, but that's not really the main focus, you know, I guess it just talks about senseless violence and also, you know, sometimes you gotta kill somebody, sometimes people need to die and uh there's just like uh, a lot of tense moments between Dennis Hopper and Daniel Roebuck in this movie that I would say are top notch and uh uh, Crispin Glover's performance is just one of those bizarre performances that you really just can't put a finger on at first, and then you realize it's completely perfect and uh, realistic in such a weird way. He's one of those only actors that can take a bizarro
2: character like that and make it seem like a real person, and it, it is a real person at that point. It it's like the same, like, tone as possibly Heather's. Like, it's kind of a very serious situation. It's not as out there as Heather's, I feel, but like, it's a serious situation, and it's there's a lot of comedic bit parts that just kind of like that that blanket the whole thing.
0: I would say that Heather's is more uh, stylistic, more for sure. This one, yeah. yeah, could happen. Heather's could not.
2: Right, right, yeah. This is definitely seems more real, real life-ish. While Heather's is completely out there.
0: But if anybody's seen uh, River's Edge, uh,
2: I just want to say, you got any Bud and Bottles? That <laughs> about that.
0: That's all I'm going to say. You have anything else to say?
2: Um. Yeah, Dennis Hopper and Daniel Roebuck, they make the movie for him. Yeah, me. They, they're, they're definitely. And Crispin Glover. But yeah, Robuck and, Roebuck and Dennis Hopper are beautiful in it. Right. Where's Jamie? I killed her. This is unreal, completely unreal. Lane's saying
1: Samson killed Jamie. And you believe them? Well, a bunch of us are going out there to check it out. I don't know. It's probably some joke. There's a very big secret in a small American town. We can't panic, though.
2: We're dead if we panic, okay?
1: you say, Lane? I killed a girl once. I was in love.
2: Bury her. She's never found.
1: Did they do it out of friendship?
2: You don't give a damn.
1: I don't give a damn. Nobody in this classroom gives a damn that she's dead. Or did they do it just for fun? Let me go! You're gonna bring her back? It's done. A murder, a cover-up, and then a betrayal. You kept seeing her face, Clarissa. You keep seeing her face. I reported the thing, man. You act like I'm guilty of some crime. You think, Don John. I'm your brother. Where do my children go at night? In a small American town, something's happening that will change them all. He was dead there in front of me. I felt so fucking alive! Strange. Something that's happening at the river's edge. You knew the killer? Yeah. I also play guitar, by the way. River's edge. At times, it's funny. At times, start shock. So now we get married, right? No. Always bringing us to the edge.
2: Company! Are you the killer?
1: What? Dennis Hopper, Back to the Future's Crispin Glover, and a brilliant young cast in the acclaimed motion picture that's already being called the Rebel Without a Cause of the 80s.
2: It's kind of exciting. I feel like Chuck Norris, you know?
1: River's Edge.
0: The next one we'll be checking out is Blue Velvet. Everybody knows Blue Velvet, David Lynch movie. Classic movie. Uh, Yeah, this is also made in 1986 with Dennis Hopper and the same cinematographer from River's Edge. Oh, okay. This guy did a lot of cinematography on a lot of other David Lynch's movies. If anybody's not seen David Lynch's movies, he's a very surreal, very different, very unique director uh, with stuff like Elephant Man and Eraserhead and Wild at Heart. Those are the ones I'm most familiar with. They're completely different. Uh, The closest probably being Wild at Heart to Blue Velvet. But uh, Blue Velvet, uh, very immensely popular cult movie with Dennis Hopper, Isabella Rossellini, Kyle MacLachlan, uh, Jack Nance, Brad Dorfit, uh, some other, uh, Dean Stockwell. So it's got a nice cast and a Francis Bay. Yeah. Is also in here. This uh, is a cool Blu ray release because it includes 50 minutes of uh, deleted scenes. And I was put it in, I was like, I'll watch the deleted scenes. Hell not. Why not? And I was expecting these crummy work print VHS. No, they're all remastered. They have sound. They look beautiful. I was like, this stuff
2: could have been put in the movie and I wouldn't even notice. They would have put
0: it in two hours and 50 minutes, but still.
2: Right. Like, I think like half the deleted scenes was like a 30 minute introduction, essentially, of the main character's like time at college yeah, and coming yeah. home. Uh, but uh, this is
0: a strange story. Kyle McLaughlin is kind of a voyeuristic character uh He's, he's from college his dad suffers a, a, a some sort of illness and he has to come back and take care of the shop and he gets involved with this uh, these criminals because he uh starts to he finds a human ear and it leads him to this detective and uh the detective's daughter played by laura dern uh starts telling him these things and he decides to be detective himself this leads him to isabella rosalini and they start this weird relationship and uh frank booth played by dennis hopper who is one of the most intense psychotic monsters you'll see in any movie um and uh this leads him to kind of get involved with all these people meanwhile these cops are trying to solve this crime and it's very bizarre very um Stylized for sure, and the song "Blue Velvet" plays about a million damn times, and you never get tired of it. And by the end of the movie, it will be stuck in your head for days. Uh, It's it's about obsession, voyeuristic obsession, and stuff like that. But uh, it creates these really uh, complex relationships between the characters.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, Laura Laura Dern's relationship with um, her boyfriend, I guess, Mike. Oh, yeah. That, it's, that's it's, though, it's underdeveloped. Well, it's more developed than a deleted scene. That's what I was but thinking.
0: But it's a, it's a strange situation because you have Kyle McLaughlin's character who ends up liking Laura Dern and Laura Dern likes Kyle McLaughlin, but Laura Dern's dating a boyfriend, Mike, who's this jock and and uh, Kyle McLaughlin kind of forced but interested in Isabella Rosalini's situation. But uh, there's some really kind of graphic moments in the movie uh, with, uh, you know, some people being shot and whatnot. And uh, it's a really good movie in a lot of ways. Like it's shot amazing, and especially when Kama Galcon's watching Isabella Rosalini on stage perform, and when uh, uh, Dennis Hopper is as well, you can like see like this uh, obsession in both their eyes, and it's really beautiful that they're obsessed with the same person. And Dennis Hopper seems to be more obsessed with music in the movie. Uh, like he's this vicious monster, but at times, like when music's playing, he'll get super emotional, either sad or violent, um, and that's really interesting. Uh, and he has the the uh, <laughs> what is he?
2: Is that like a breathing mask?
0: Or, like, yeah, but or he uses a uh, nitrous, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's doing nitrous all the time to get himself really high. It's such a unique character. Uh, and there's really some gross moments to me like the movie is like super like it's well made and classy and you wouldn't expect this stuff like in the very beginning one of the things they taught me in like film class years ago they're like blue velvet how it starts off on this beautiful little suburban neighborhood and then it goes under the grass and you see that underneath the surface of everything in this place is is something gross and dirty and different it shows all these beetles in like kind of like in this orgy underneath the grass which is, is really great so uh, you know symbolic for this whole you know suburban middle class class everything's great but when you get in the surface when you get in these people's houses when you get in their private lives it's not as it seems everything has this dark thing to it and that plays into the ending as well when the there's this uh laura Dern has this dream when she talks about has she seen this dream where these birds come down and this rays of sunshine and at the end you see a a bird with one of those bugs in their mouth which kind of summarizes the whole freaking movie in a way
2: um, it's surprisingly a happy ending. Yeah, surprisingly. I remember when we were watching it and like we got to that bug scene in the introduction, and you're like, I don't remember there being all this bug shit here. I did. <laughs> I told you. I said,
0: I didn't remember it being this graphic. Right. I remembered
2: it 100%,
0: but I was like, I don't remember it being that graphic. I was like, that's. I knew it did that hmm but i i remembered uh instead of him finding the ear later i, I thought it was that it went under the grass and you saw the, like an ant on the oh. ear but when it did that i was like i don't remember it being that graphic and i was like man it's been a long time since it's been 15 years since i watched it but uh which one did you actually prefer Oh, River's Edge for sure. I, I prefer River's Edge, which is funny because I know it's not a better film than Blue Velvet, but they're both great, uh, highly recommended. It's kind of funny that we're even talking about Blue Velvet, but uh, River's Edge is Kino, Blue Velvet is, a, uh, you know, it's an MGM. I, I'm pretty sure they're both imprint. print. I know River's Edge is, but both of them come highly recommended, um, and it's nice in uh, Blue Velvet to see Jack Nance and Brad Dorfitt as, like, goons in there as well. Who played the Ant in Blue Velvet? Oh, that is Frances Bay. She's a character actor, actress. She pops up in a bunch of stuff. She's in um, Wedding Singer? No, it's not her. She's not in Wedding Singer. She's in What's the Movie I'm Thinking of? Off the Top of My Head. It's not her and wedding singer. Oh, Happy Gilmore! Happy Gilmore! Right yeah. There. Can I trouble you for a warm glass of milk? You can trouble you for a warm glass of. Shut the hell up! It helps me go to sleep. That whole scene with Ben Stiller. No, but she's in hundreds and hundreds of movies, uh, lots of stuff, and she always does a great job. In this movie, especially the deleted scene, she's very comical and very mm-hmm. like sweet and pleasant and bizarre. Uh, also, the mother in uh, the movie, the mother actually plays in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. I think she's like the head nurse.
2: Oh, okay. doctor. yeah, you had She's mentioned a doctor. that. Yeah. yeah, I
0: recognized her. There's a lot of familiar faces in here, and the deleted scenes are well worth your time. If you love the movie, I think you'll really dig them. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's uh, Blue Velvet. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed
2: it. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nah, Um, River's Edge. I like River's Edge better. I like them both. I think they're both great. But I'm not going to deny that Blue Velvet is a great film. It's it's great.
0: But What's bizarre to me is I would say that Blue Velvet's a much better-looking
2: movie, by far. And
0: mm-hmm. River's Edge same cinematographer right? Do you think that's a budget or you think that's just David Lynch like I want it to look like this and being a perfectionist
2: it, I think it's probably David Lynch it, interacting with Blue Velvet and this director probably saying I want it to look real yeah I like the character relationships better in River's Edge I think they're more realistic they are more realistic yeah but uh, two great movies
0: and thank mm-hmm. you uh, for watching it and have a good
2: one a candy colored clown they call the sandman Tiptoes to my room every night
1: Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to
2: sleep, everything is all right I close my eyes
1: dark. Are you the one that found the year? One name that keeps coming up is this woman's singer. Where are I? The first thing I need is to get into her apartment. I don't know if you're a detective or a pervert. Do you like the way I feel? Yeah.
0: Right into the questions. John Wilhelm Question. Three Stooges or Abbott and Costello? Who do you like best? I love them both. Uh, I haven't watched any Abbott and Costello stuff in a very, very long time but they do meet the monsters so I gotta give them that. But I watched a lot more Three Stooges growing up. Um, I can't pick. I really can't. But uh, fuck it, Three Stooges. Uh, I'm gonna re-watch some Abbott and Costello soon though so it might change. Christopher Dallier, are you into silent films? If so, what is your favorite silent film? I haven't seen that many silent films. I've seen Nosferatu, and I like that, so I guess that's what I'll go with. Uh, Also, favorite killer doll of all time, or dolls? You know... I'm sure there's a lot better movies than this, but as a kid, I was obsessed. I was, uh, I loved, loved, loved the puppet master movies. Like no matter what, I know they're not great movies. Uh, some of them are really fun. Some of them are cool. I loved the puppet master movies. So I, you every, every school project I would get them. Like draw a lunchbox. I would have the little puppet master guys in there. So I'm going to have to go with puppet masters. Uh, my favorite puppet master is six shooter, but you got to love torch. You got to love blade. got to love jester. So many good ones. Uh, Nick, could you describe working with Scott Shermer? um yeah, uh, Scott Shepard is one of my favorite directors to work with. Dustin's one of my best friends, so I love working with Dustin Mills. But uh, Scott's also one uh, great director to work with. He gives you actual direction, like a director's supposed to do. A lot of them do, a lot of them don't. You never know, but uh, he gives you direction. Uh, how does he differ from other directors you've worked with? Uh, he's good at giving direction uh, with the actors. Like he's an, a- I guess he'd say he's an actors director. Do you learn anything from about the art of directing from him? Uh, that's a that's a great question i can't really think anything off the top of my head i'm sure i picked up some things um they're the first people i saw use a monitor on headless they were recording and they had the monitor and they could watch it from the monitor and uh i know that they didn't have that uh, Dustin doesn't have one of those and uh the other sets i worked on like adam Albright, they didn't have one of those either which i thought was kind of cool <laughs>